0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, let's give it up for the Lord this morning. Very one who's changed all of our hearts and our lives. Man, it's so good to have you guys today. Thank you so much uh, for coming to church on a Sunday morning and for being up front. Uh, Thank you guys so much. It's so good uh, to have you. So good. How many of y'all watched the Vols game last night? Anybody? (sighs) Listen, if you don't like what I preach, don't throw stuff at me, okay? (laughs) Don't throw water bottles and golf balls up this way. And uh, if you stayed up and watched that Vols game, you better stay awake this morning, all right? I know you're tired just like I am. It's so grateful to have you guys this morning as together we get the joy of making much of Jesus, the joy of getting to make much of Jesus together. Now, here's what I want us to do. I don't know if y'all know, but fall arrived this morning, and uh, it's a little colder out there today, and so let's just get to know each other uh, a little bit more. Who is it that you're sitting next to? I think it's kind of important for us to do that in the life of the church, and so uh, this is just a... Way to get to know each other called raise your hands if, okay? And so if this applies to you, do so. Um, here we go. Raise your hands if fall is your favorite season. Man, okay. How many of you guys like summer? the best I need you to leave. Um, I just need you to go. Right, now, hey, listen, so a lot of you like fall, and then there's some weirdies out there who like summer. Anyway, uh, here's another one just to get to know each other a little bit better. Raise your hand if you like it getting darker and colder outside. Who are those dark souls? I'm with you, sister. Yeah, I see you. Me too. Darker and colder outside. I'm with you. Um, Maybe you're this person. Raise your hand if you like pumpkin pie. Come on now. How many of you, okay, you can put your hand How many of y'all hate pumpkin pie? Security. Um, How can you hate pumpkin? God made a... Ugly, vegetables, so good. Anyway, okay, uh, here's the last one. Uh, raise your hand. And you're this person, right? You like pumpkin spice everything, candles, coffee, bread, pizza, no matter what it is, you love pumpkin spice. Hey, real quick, you ready, pulled pork? Y'all need help. Uh, you need help. Seek help and get that pumpkin spice pulled pork. Have you ever made that really? It's coming to my office. That's what I'm talking. You've just now become my favorite church member. Hey, listen, we are, we are four weeks into a season of prayer. Prayer over a five-year vision that is big. In fact, it is it is bigger than we are. We are in this season of prayer, building up to a couple Sundays coming up where we're gonna begin to pledge and invest in the life of our church in this big vision that we believe honors the the Lord. But here's the question. When it comes to any vision, whether it's an individual vision, uh, whether it's personal, or whether it's collective, the question becomes, man, how is it that we see this vision, this God-sized vision come to be? And church, i got to tell you, for the fourth week in the row, that for visions to happen, for God to come through, we must first lay the groundwork. In prayer, Hey guys, we've got to pay the price in prayer to see God move in big ways. We've been talking about how powerful prayer is. Last week we, we delved into one of the most powerful prayers we can pray. And that is the prayer of intercession. Bringing somebody to Jesus through prayer. And today, in a world that seemingly always settles for less... We are going to pray for immeasurably more, more of, more of Jesus, more of him at work in our lives and in our church. But we've got to ask the question, what is it then that fuels our prayer life? What is it that fuels the immeasurably more of God? You ready? It is the very love of Christ, the very love of God for us in Jesus Christ. And so let's drop into a beautiful prayer. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want us to drop in on a beautiful prayer. Hey, you know what? Better yet, a powerful doxology in Ephesians from Paul. As you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, let me define doxology for you just for a moment. A doxology is a short hymn of praise to God. Simply put, it is a short hymn of praise to God that we find throughout scriptures that usually was sung. So here we find ourselves, we need to know this about Paul, but here in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to check out the lyrics of Paul, the singer-songwriter, we're going to check out the lyrics to his song. So in Ephesians chapter 3, Starting in verse 14, here's what the Bible says, and I love this. It says this, for this reason, Paul writes, I bow my knees before the Father. Well, as we start reading this prayer, which turns into this powerful, powerful doxology, we got to ask the question, what is the reason? And why is he praying this? Why is he Singing this out. Why is he crying this out to the Lord? For what reason? Well, we find this back in verse 6. That as he begins to talk about the mystery that's been made known. He says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You ready? The reasoning behind this prayer that Paul is fixing to pray is this. It's a celebration that the gospel is good news for everyone, not just some. The gospel is for both the Jew and the Gentile, those who are not Jewish in their heritage and faith. The gospel isn't reserved for just the few, but the gospel is the hope for many. And so Paul says, and on this very reason, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to begin to celebrate he goes on and says this in his prayer I want to celebrate from whom every family talking about the father he says is from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he goes on but I want to stop there for a moment from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named now this isn't speaking of all humanity but in its context those Jews and Gentiles who have come and will come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hey, by the way, can I remind us of something? We're family. You and I, we don't just go to church together. In Christ, we are family. We are brothers and sisters. Hey, you're not my enemy and I'm not yours. Hey guys, we're We're family. And he goes on, he writes this, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. I love that phrasing, the riches of his glory. It's a favored saying of Paul when it comes to speaking that God's infinite wealth and God's infinite resources, meaning that God's wealth, his power, his goodness, and his supply, catch this, you ready, is inexhaustible, never-ending. Meaning this, you ready? Hey, church, catch this. That you can never ask too much of God. You can, hey, you can't ever ask too much of him. His wealth, his resources are inexhaustible. You know, as a pastor of church, you take on one of three roles in the life of the church. You see, you can go to a church and you can be an undertaker. And help a dying church die. As a pastor, you can go to a church and you can be a a caretaker. And that's where you help a church just kind of keep the status quo. Making sure everybody's happy, everything's going as it always has for hundreds of years. Making sure everything just keeps moving on. Or as a pastor, you don't have to be an undertaker. You don't have to be a caretaker. But you can be a risk taker as a pastor. And that is when you ask and trust God to do great things and you do whatever you position your church however you can to see His kingdom come. And again, church, I'll say this again. I don't want to dream small dreams that we can accomplish. I want to dream big dreams that only God can accomplish through us. And that's a season of prayer for a five-year vision. That only God can do. And we watch that Paul continues to pray that according to his riches and glory, that he may grant you to be, watch this, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Watch, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to stop there just for a moment. This is not speaking of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that takes place when you and I are saved, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts and our lives. That's not what this phrasing is speaking of. This phrasing literally means that Paul prays that Jesus will be at home in your hearts day by day. Hey, That, that in your heart and in your life, that Jesus can be at home in your everyday, in your moment to moment. Hey, hey, let me ask you, church, does Jesus have a home with you? Can Jesus be at home in your heart and in your life? Because here's what he wants to accomplish, that being rooted and grounded in love, that you, may have the, that you and I may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, Paul begins to write of the love of Christ. He attempts to speak of the unspeakable. He attempts to describe the indescribable. He He attempts to comprehend the incomprehensible. You see, Paul is pointing us to a love, you ready, that we simply cannot wrap our minds around alone. Hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something, believer. When it comes to the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, in your own strength, in my own strength, I, I, can't, I cannot wrap my mind around it. Thomas Edison said on one occasion, we don't know one millionth of one percent about anything. Is that about true? You ever been married? Ever had kids? Man, listen, the older I get, the less and less it seems that I know of all there is to know. But I want to tell you that's especially true when it becomes, when it comes to the love of God in Christ. I, I don't feel like we've even scratched the surface in our understanding. This past week was fall break for uh, my kids, and so we... Uh, And we packed up our camper and went out and and did some camping together, just loved our week together. And as a dad, I'll just sit sometimes and I'll watch my my son, who's three years old, out at the river throwing rocks in the river, taking a stick with him just to kill any bear that he sees, right? I I watch my daughter Sadie as she just plays with her toys out at the campsite. I, I look at Chloe, who's... Man, she's so witty, and she's so funny, and she'll tell stories and make people laugh. And and my oldest daughter, Avery, who's a little, just a little mom who helps take care of all the kids. And I I just caught myself this week looking at my kids and just going, you know what? They will never know how much I love them. That They'll just never know. Hey, since they've been alive, I have told each of them thousands of times how much I love them. Guys, I'm telling you, dozens of times a day, I remind my kids, but you know what? I sat there looking and watching them this week thinking they will never know how deeply I love them and how precious they are to me. Sometimes I get to thinking about the Heavenly Father and when I, as an imperfect dad as I am, I wonder how many times he looks at me and goes, Anthony, you'll never understand how much I love you. And that's what we find here in Paul's prayer. He prays for the believer to comprehend Christ's love in the only way that we can. You ready? He says this through his spirit and through his power. God's love for us in Christ, I'm just going to tell you, church, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's why we need His Spirit and His power to wrap our minds around His love. Romans 5.5 5 says this, that the love of God is shed abroad in all of our hearts by His Holy Spirit. And you might ask this question. Why is it so hard for you and I to wrap our minds around God's love for us? Why is it that we sometimes find ourselves doubting that God really loves us as much as He says He does? That he's faithful to us as much as he says he is. Why is it so hard to wrap our minds around to comprehend his love? Because you know this truth, don't you? As humanity, what we know and experience from each other is all too often a conditional love, isn't it? And why is it that you love your spouse? It's because they had value and worth and they loved you and they returned your love. It's easy to love somebody who loves you. It's just part of our human nature. We know, we experience, and we share love that oftentimes and all too often is conditional. Case in point, last Sunday I got done preaching. And somebody knocked on the door of my office after the service. Kayla walks inside of my office and in her hand, was a large tray of banana pudding. Immediately, my favorite member, right? I Connect, her. You know what? I mean, she is good to me. Now, when pumpkin spice barbecue hits my desk, that's a, you then get the trophy. Anyway, man, listen. I'm kidding, not really. Hey, but we're conditional that way, aren't we? Man, we love people who are good to us. And so, uh, we know this about God's love. And here's what the Bible teaches us that in Jeremiah 31.3, I love this, that he says to the people of God, he says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's hard for a heart that loves conditionally to comprehend, to wrap our minds around the unconditional love of the Father. And, And the love of God that's not conditioned on us, that's Not based on us or on our actions, but based on who He is and His work for us. 1 John 4, 8 reminds us that God is love. It's not that God merely loves. God is love. And the love spoken of here in Ephesians chapter 3 in the Greek language, which is the language mostly of the New Testament, the word used there is agape love. And understand this about agape love. It is used in most instances in the Bible to speak of a love that is of and from God. A love that is of and a love that is from God. And let me tell you something about agape love. When used in context of God, it's not a romantic love. It's not a phileo love, which means a brotherly love. Agape love is from God and is always shown by what it does consider passage like this let's stick in Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 4 & 5 that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved agape love this love of and from God is always shown by what it does By what it does you know what that means That God didn't just simply love us with his words. But that God loved us and loves us in his works. Not just in words, but in deed, in action. Romans 5.8, that God, what, he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, although it is hard to wrap our minds around his unconditional love, it sure is easy to be overwhelmed by it, isn't it? I don't know that there's a day that goes by that I'm just not overwhelmed at the love of God for me in Christ Jesus. I love this quote from Max Lucado. I quote this about once every year. and Since we're three years old, this is about the third time you've heard this. But can I remind you As Max Lucado sums up this love of God, he says this, that God's love never ceases, never. Though we spurn Him, ignore Him, reject Him, despise Him, disobey Him, He will not change. Our evil cannot diminish His love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our stupidity jeopardizes it. God doesn't love us less if we fail or more if we succeed. God's love never ceases for you and for me. Martin Lloyd-Jones once wrote this. Indeed, our chief defect as Christians is that we fail to realize Christ's love to us. And he later on adds this. How important is it that we should meditate upon his love and contemplate it? it is because we fail to do so that we tend to think at times that He has forgotten us or that He has left us. And church, I want to remind you in a passage like Ephesians chapter 3 that He has not forgotten you, that He has not left you. believer. hear me, simply God loves you. And it's no more evident than when we look to Jesus. And you see, it's the love of God through Jesus That becomes the fuel that powers our prayer life. And now we get into this doxology, this hymn of praise, this shout-out of praise from Paul as we begin to comprehend His love through His Spirit and His power, as we consider His riches and glory, as we come to grips with the fullness of God in our lives, we begin to understand that in light of His love, You ready, church? He doesn't want us to settle for less as a church, but to embrace immeasurably more. I love this in Scripture. I thought I had it up here, but let me just read it to you, verse 20, and read along in your text. You ready? After speaking of the love of Christ, watch as Paul breaks out. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Watch this, this doxology. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love this commentary from Desiring God. He says this, when the massive weather front of God's love meets another massive weather front of God's power in the heart of the believer, it produces a hurricane of confidence called glory, a powerful doxology. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here in verse 20 of Ephesians 3, Paul is overwhelmed by God's ability and desire to work beyond our prayers, beyond our thoughts, even beyond Our dreams. I love looking at this text, this phrasing across multiple English translations of the Bible. In the ESV, it reads, more abundantly. In the KJV, King James Version, it reads, exceedingly, abundantly above all. Infinitely more is the New Living Translation. Above and beyond the HCSB. And far more abundantly beyond all in the NASB. Incredible phrasing of an immensely loving God. I love the phrasing immeasurably more. The word immeasurably literally means to throw beyond the mark. That means if the mark is what is to be expected of God, God always exceeds our expectations. He loves us. He loves His church more than we can imagine. He is at work in more ways than we can ever ask or hope. I quoted this a few messages ago, but John Piper reminds us that God is at work in 10,000 different ways in our lives, and we are maybe aware of three of them. God is always at work in His church. God wants to do immeasurably more than we ask, think, or imagine, and to do this through His church. And so here's my challenge to you, believer. In light of God's love and His power to work in His church, here's my challenge. Don't settle for less. Do not settle for less in the service of the immeasurably more God. You know what? There's been plenty of times in my life where I know that I've settled for less. And all that has ever happened from those seasons and those times is that it's worked to try to destroy who I am in Christ. Don't settle by bending to culture. Don't settle by bowing to sin. Don't settle by being selfish. Rather, trust God to do the immeasurably more in your life. Stand out in culture. Stand against sin. And stand up for each other. Don't settle for less. You know, a jeweler often places diamonds on a piece of black velvet. The brilliance of the diamond is clearer against that background. And so it is with the church. The dark conditions of this world's circumstances become the backdrop upon which he displays his glorious church. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less as a church by asking small, by dreaming small, and by imagining small. Ask big, dream big, imagine big in the service of an immeasurably more God. Don't settle for less by just going to church. Don't settle for less by just being a member of a church. Don't settle for less by just sitting in a church. Be The church be more than a member. Be a kingdom mover and serve the Lord through His church. Don't settle for someone else sharing the gospel. You share the gospel. Don't settle for someone else bringing somebody else to church. You bring them to church. Don't settle for someone else praying for your church. You pray for your church. And Paul sings and he writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hear me. Churches that die have settled for less. Churches that thrive continue to serve. The God of immeasurably more. And so what does it look like for you and I? How is it that we can pray each day for the immeasurably more of God? Here's three simple prayers. I want you to invite you to pray this week. The first prayer is this. Jesus, I want to love you more. I want to love you more. The second prayer Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The third prayer Jesus, I want you to do immeasurably more in and through me today. Hey, what would it be if every morning this week we got up and we began to pray, Hey, Jesus, I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. Hey, Jesus, I I want to know you more today than I knew you yesterday. And Jesus, would you do the immeasurably more in and through my life? Hey, would you do the immeasurably more in my marriage today? Instead of of settling for love, God, would you do immeasurably more in my marriage? Would you do immeasurably more in my kids? How about my church family, God? How about in my life today? Jesus, would you do immeasurably more? Does this really matter? Really, does God do immeasurably more? Literally, right before I stepped on stage, there's a couple who, um, the Bradberries, who visit our church, gosh, a dozen times a year. They travel, and they're in this area a lot. And for 40 days, Daryl has been been fighting COVID-19. And about five minutes before the service started this morning, his wife reached out. And here are her words. Daryl has been healed. He's with Jesus. That's immeasurably more. The faith, even in the valley of the shadow of death, that both Daryl and his precious wife have clung to. That's the immeasurably more of God working in her heart and her life. That today as her husband breathed his last. She can sing the praises of our great God. You know I found a story about the late 1700s when Napoleon's armies had opened a prison that had been used by the Spanish Inquisition, an old prison, they had found the remains of a prisoner who had been incarcerated for his faith. He was held in a dungeon underground. His body had since decayed. Only bones were left. And how they knew he was in prison is that there was a chain fastened to an ankle bone that fastened him to the wall where he died. You see, that was, the, that was his faith, that was his confinement. Why? Because he loved Jesus, and he followed Jesus. But this prisoner, who long since been dead, had left a witness. Because right on the wall next to his chain, here is what he scratched out with rock in Spanish. You see, he had made the form of a cross, and at the top he wrote height. And at the bottom, he wrote depth. To the left, he wrote width. And to the right, he wrote length. You know what he was doing, don't you? He was quoting this Ephesians chapter 3 passage and remarking on the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love that Christ has for him. That in his darkest days of suffering when fear would have been at its greatest, anxiety at its strongest, God poured the immeasurably more out in this prisoner who we know nothing of his name in his life, that still to this day, a preacher in America is preaching his testimony. Because you see, he knew the immeasurably more of God, even in his suffering. What's amazing is, is this unnamed prisoner from centuries ago, did not settle for less, even in his suffering, but was reminded in the darkest of dungeons of the love of God through Christ Jesus and experienced even in that prison the immeasurably more of God. Hey, church, can I ask you a question? Where is it that you are settling for less? Hey, where is it that maybe you're bowing to culture and its narrative? Where is it that you find yourself bending the knee to sin? Where is it that you're finding yourself being selfish, maybe in your marriage, your relationships, in your business? Hey, you ready? The challenge of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 is, Believer, do not settle for less. Rather, let the God of immeasurably more move in your heart and move in your life through faith. And church, I want you to hear me. As we approach this five-year vision in the next couple of Sundays where we are going to invest in the life of the church, I'll tell you what. As long as I'm pastor, we will never settle for less. We will never dream small dreams. We will never ask little of our great God. But we will go forward together and ask of Him and dream of Him and imagine of Him the immeasurably more. As God continues to position our church on the front lines of His mission